We're going to go to the great God in prayer and then we'll read our scriptures. But join our hearts in prayer right now, whether you're in this room or you're joining us online. Great God, your name that is above every name, the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We come before you, Lord, because at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. So, Lord, we come into your presence right now because, Father, all glory, all majesty is yours. Your greatness, your wonder. So we are people who have gathered, we acknowledge that, but also, Father, we acknowledge our absolute depend upon you through the work of your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we stand here in this moment, Lord, to give our thoughts, our burdens, our delights, our pleasures, our pain, right now before you, dear Lord. Take it, Father. Towards that end, Father, we pray for us as a church that we'll be drawn closer to you through your word. And Father, in this journey we are in for a next lead pastor, Father, we pray for us as a congregation that our dependence will be upon you. Father, we'll be calling upon you because you know that man, his family, his church, his congregation, his journey. So Lord, we come to you as a body and you prepare us as you prepare them. And we pray for our pastor search committee. We pray, Father, that the scriptures that tell us, Father, that all our thoughts will be held captive by the word of Jesus Christ in obedience to him. So we pray for those men and women as they pray, as they study, as they talk, as they listen, that, Father, together with our congregation, we will hear this is the way walk ye in it. So we pray, Father, in our great anticipation for that pastor. Towards that end, Father, I pray that you will lead me today as we get into your word. Holy Spirit, will you be my teacher? Will you anoint and empower, Father, even as we get into this word today? That, Lord, we will hear, we will understand, and you will give us willingness to obey. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You remain standing as I get us to read. I'm going to be reading from Genesis chapter 12 because I'm connecting. We're finishing the book of Genesis today. So let me read Genesis chapter 12 where we started out. Genesis chapter 12 verses 1, 2, and 3. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples of earth will be blessed through you. Amen? Please be seated. We are continuing in this journey of the one scripture, one story, one Savior in this past um, weeks we've been talking about. One scripture, which we know is the word of God. One story is the story that God has given to us from his word. And of course, it always points to the Savior. And we chose the, this mini-series we've been talking about against all odds. You've heard us talk about that on and off. 
So as we've been looking at this, as followers of Jesus Christ, walking in his footsteps, to learn and to understand what does it mean to follow Jesus as a disciple, making disciples, we started off talking about the Bible. This is God's absolute word for us. Infallible, inerrant, this is God's word. And we talk about all scriptures given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and is profitable for our teaching, our correction, our direction, everything we did. And we took two weeks on that. And then we moved on to start to talk about the stories. We spent some time with the story of Noah and Pastor Rob help us get uh, below the waterline. That is the scene and everything that we don't see when we talk about Noah and his boat, but also we talk about above the waterline, the rescue that comes from our sin that is below the waterline, but we come above the waterline that God is the one that rescues us. And we moved on to talk about Abraham, and we saw God's calling, and God called him and promised him to be blessed. And at that time, we also talk about the calling also had a place that Abraham's obedience and disobedience. And but God is faithful. The calling is not always about what I want, what I feel. The calling is about the glory of God in his kingdom and the people he's bringing transformation to. So we did that and talk about the child of promise that God had with Abraham, that this is a child that God was going to fulfill that promise, even though Abraham's disobedience, God was going to fulfill that in the word. And then we went on to talk last two weeks, and Pastor Sean helped us to grasp the story of Ruth and Naomi, the heartache that was there, but the hope of the gospel that came through that. Talk about Boaz, the, 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 the kinsman redeemer, but ultimate redeemer is Jesus Christ who redeems us to himself and will live for him. As we go through even this season of Lent, we've been looking at how does the scriptures I read every week and say, how am I lamenting? We'll spend a good portion of our time in worship uh, dealing with that as we go through the story of Joseph. But how do I get to Joseph when I was just there with Abraham and now I'm with Joseph and we're talking about his story? But the word I want us to think about today is not like a Christian word you find in the Bible, like we all talk about the Trinity. You don't really find the, the word Trinity in the Bible, but we follow that because there's a biblical teaching on that. The one I want us to think about today is the word providence, the providence of God. Actually, one of my people I follow, you know, and read his writing, he just read a book coming out on just the providence of God. Uh, John Piper just read that book. You can look that up. But what the Bible tells us about the providence of God is God is guiding all the affairs of mankind. God is in control. God is the one who created this earth. He's the one who is sustaining it, and he's the one that is preserving it. So the word providence brings us to the place where I will see that God is directing the active outworking of what he wants in the world. Another word that usually goes with providence is the word, the sovereignty of God, God's reign and rule. 
that God is sovereign as we see in the scriptures and man is responsible. God is a sovereign God. But providence is that the affairs of man, the hand of man is directed by God himself. Good, bad, and ugly. God is guiding those. Sometimes we think about when we talk about the providence of God, oh, well, it's luck, it's chance, it's coincidence, or it's faith. No. A believer who knows Jesus Christ and knows his word believes that the hand of God is in every story of the Bible. I want us to look at the scripture in, in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 and what it even says, just one of many scriptures that tell us that God is in heaven, he does whatever pleases him. But in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 we read that the sun, that's Jesus Christ, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So we see that God is the one that is sustaining. Many other scriptures we can look at that the hand of God is there. We always jump into Romans 8, 28, and we say, okay, we read this. All things work together for good. There's a reason. Not all things are good. We've just had a, a, a pandemic. We're still in a pandemic, COVID-19. The effect on our families, on our economy, on our education, on politics and everything. God is in control. We can trust him. That is the providence of God. So the story of Joseph is what I want to use to illustrate this, the providence of God as we come to this chapter. I'll be picking it up from chapter 37 in the story of Joseph. I'll read a couple of verses. We'll look at an outline, but then we'll get into some principles that we can reflect upon and apply to our lives because the story of Joseph clearly, clearly shows the providence of God in his life. So before we get to Joseph, we had just talked about Abraham and we left there with Isaac, the son of promise, and now we're in chapter 37. In between, the providence of God was at work in the, in the son of Isaac called Jacob and his brother Esau. That's a whole other drama you can see in the scripture and Jacob and Esau and that guy Jacob, he was just very sneaky, deceptive and everything. Is the providence of God available there? Do we see the hand of God? Yes, it was. And he had this encounter with God, Jacob, that God actually changed his name to Israel. That that was a name that he was given and it is, he is the father of Joseph messed up, we're going to be talking about dysfunction in the family, you know, two sisters were his wives, it's in the Bible, you know, two sisters were his wife, and then their servant slaves, and they had this bunch of kids. So child number 11 is Joseph, Rachel's firstborn. Rachel's firstborn was Joseph, that God has really visited, and God favored her, God granted her favor, God remembered uh, and cared for Rachel and had Joseph. She had a second child that was Benjamin and she passed away in childbirth of Benjamin in her pain. She named the child. So we come to chapter 37 and we now read about this family. We're going to be looking at Joseph and his life. Genesis chapter 37. 
Joseph was a young man of 17. Hey, I love to see our young people. You know, you can just tell your parents are getting you there. You know, at 17, the Bible tells us that he was the boy who was always talking about his brothers. Verse 3, now Israel loved Joseph more than any of the other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made him an ornate robe for him. When the brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, the brothers, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Verse 5, Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. And this is the dream he told them. We are binding shields of grain out in the field when suddenly, my, Joseph speaking, my shields rose and stood upright while yours gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Verse eight, his brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. You would think the, the young man would just be quiet. Verse 9, he did not. <laughs> then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but the father kept the matter in his mind. Let's learn some things. I have an outline that will follow here, some of the things that we're just going to look in the story. Joseph, the dysfunction in families, the sin and the suffering. We're going to look at that. Playing the favorite teenage child, Joseph, two dreams, the hatred and jealousy. They had a murder plot, and they sold him in slavery by his own brothers. The silence and the cover-up of what they had done to their dad. We are seeing in the story here of Joseph that he had a special role because Joseph was so loved by his dad because he was a comfort to him in his old age. And so he took a liking to this young man, and the Bible tells us that he actually was a favorite of his dad. We see that in the scriptures there. And so he made him a bright colored robe. You know, you would just wear this robe and you will see him. He's the, he's the spoiled child. You know, he was just going in his robe. He doesn't do any domestic work. All the servants just cater to him. And this is that special boy. And so he just stood out. We're going to see in the rest of the story this week and next week that this robe was critical in the life of Joseph and, and, his, and, his family, and his family members. So we see that Joseph was very clear about the dream he had. You know, we all have dreams. It depends on what you have for breakfast. Some of you don't dream now while I'm speaking. Some of you depend on what you have for breakfast. Are you going to have for lunch or for dinner? You have a, a dream. Well, dream is really part of it. They are spiritual, they are psychological, they are biological reasons why we have dreams. But we have seen that Joseph made it clear in his dream that he was above every one of his brothers. And what did that result into? It resulted into hatred, envy, rivalry, jealousy of his brothers. 
you know, you think about family dynamics as you are growing up. I don't know what your own family structure is, but there are always things that are going to bring rivalry in the family. You know, older brother, some of you may not have even spoken to family members. You don't send them card. Maybe you took excuse with the pandemic. We don't need to have a get together. You may not have been together for Thanksgiving or Christmas. But that is what the devil's attack in a church is always on the family. And if he can just destroy families, he will want to destroy the kingdom. But thanks be to God, we have our victory in Christ Jesus. So the brothers are away, and a 17-year-old dad says, go and check on your brothers. So you saw in the beginning on the map, he goes to find them in Shechem. He didn't find them. He goes over to Dothan. He sees his brothers. The story, the intrigue continues. They saw him coming, and they said, there comes the dreamer, you know, in a sarcastic way. There comes the dreamer. Come and let us kill him. That's how envy, if you don't take care of the family issues you have, that's how the envy can start to destroy you before it destroys the person. Let's kill him and throw him into one of these wells. We'll go back and tell dad, you know, an animal at the brother. But Reuben, big brother, intervened and said, okay, time out. We're going to just put him in this well, and he'll be there, is dry. And the plan that Reuben had was he would take his little brother out and we take him back to his dad. But these brothers were intent. And while they forgot, when sometimes you are so complacent with the evil in your heart, the dysfunction in your family, you can't even talk about politics. You can't even talk about parenting. You just all get antsy about each other but you can sit down and have a meal. These brothers did that. The Bible says they sat down and they were having a meal together. Let's forget about the dreamer. And just at that time, they had, you know, the caravan coming. And this caravan were Ishmaelites, and these people were coming, and they decided to, okay, if the murder plot is not going to, to happen, we are going to sell this guy in slavery. So they decided the Ishmaelites, Again, the dynamics in scripture, the intrigue in scripture. The Ishmaelites were actually related to Abraham. Remember when he disobeyed with, with Hagar, he had Ishmael, and this is the, in the line of Ishmael now, but they are slave traders, and so they are going to sell him, and he's going to take him down to Egypt, which they actually did, sold their brother into slavery. What's the pain you are carrying in your family that you just can't even talk to that other family, you just want to do something wrong. And they sold him his slavery. Slavery is real. You know, I come from Sierra Leone, West Africa. That's my country of birth. We started that game there. We think our own tribes in West Africa, we were selling our own people to each other. Sometimes it's for business, it's trade, or when they want to conquer another tribe, and so they were selling each other in, in slavery there. You can read the history. The capital city, actually, of my country of birth, Sierra Leone, is called Freetown. I'll tell you about that in a moment. So it, it came to be the capital of Freetown because when slavery really got out there, people were traveling. You know, if you've ever, we all sing the song, Amazing Great, how, you know, how sweet and sound. But that was one of the slave traders who made frequent trips to my part of the country, West Africa, John Newton. He wrote that hymn because he was buying and selling slaves until God 
reached him, he got saved, and he wrote Amazing Grace. So that's one of the guys. You can, there's even a movie called Amazing Grace, but look at the other movie called Amistad. The movie Amistad, many years ago when it came out, I had just come to this country and all the church members were watching that. It showed the story of slavery and it was going on. And we see that later on, my country, Freetown became the capital because when people were going up and down in England and up from the southern coast here, I love going to Charleston. Uh, um, that's a place that it has a moment for me. When I go to Charleston, my whole family we visited there sometime. I can hear the stories. I can tell that stories from my people in my home country. When they returned the slaves, when they landed on Freetown, that's the name they gave to the town. Once you arrive from Nova Scotia South, uh, in America or the Caribbean, when they got you to Freetown, you are free. So that was the town that was free. Freetown was the place for freed slaves. That was how mankind can trust each other. So we see that in the story of Joseph here and his brother. So he's taken to a foreign country and he's even sold twice. At the end of chapter 39, we see that these uh, Ishmaelites or Midianites, some of your Bible, we use that word, they sold him to Potiphar in the house of Potiphar. He was now a slave there. Different culture, language. He's a boy from Cana. He's down with these Arabs in Egypt. No family member, destitute alone. But the providence of God is always weaving into our stories. So I'm moving on to chapter 39. I hope as we've told you, read these scriptures in between the, the times. So Joseph is sold the second time in the house of Potiphar. We, we see that at the end of chapter 37. In 39, I'll read some verses there. We'll then look at the outline that's showing us the presence of God leads to devotion and protection. So we read with Joseph, verse 39, chapter 39. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials. The captain of the guard bought him, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph. So that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success because of everything he did, Joseph found favor in the eyes of the attendants. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From that time on, he put him in charge of his household and all he owned. The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. Well, Joseph had a dream he would be a great guy, but now he's a slave. And so there's darkness in his dream. That's the title we're going with this weekend. Darkness in the dream. Who are you going to rule over? Now you're a slave. And so in the household, of Potiphar, of Potiphar, we're going to see a couple of things. He is now put in charge. He's a manager. He's in charge of the household of Potiphar, this slave boy. And also we see that his devotion in this home, I don't think he was even thinking about his dream is going to come through, but God granted him favor. Note the scripture said the Lord was with Joseph, even as a, as a slave in the household. You know, what we can draw from this that we always need to look at ourselves as Christians. You know, God will put us 
in places with non-believers. God will put us with people who are far from God. They are different. God will put us with people who uh, their lifestyle, their beverages, their conduct is different. Their vocabulary is different. But God placed the believers there like we read in, in, in the New Testament to be a salt and light. So we see the, the couple of things in the household. He's a manager, his devotion, but also there's darkness in his dream. And let's talk a little bit about that. So he's now in the household of Potiphar who trusted him everything except his wife. And then things turn around. This woman was a seductive woman. You can see the outline for this chapter there. But this woman wanted to sin with this young man, the, the sexual temptation that she brought up to Joseph. Over and over, she's attempting to seduce him, to seduce this young man. But thank God that this Hebrew boy was well-trained, and he said, no. Today, there's sexual temptation everywhere. Whether it's on the gadget you have, you carry, whatever device you have, whether it's where your eyes go in the store or online or wherever, it is there. But God has made a way for escape. A handsome 18, let's say 18 year old walking in the house of Potiphar and this woman just wanted to grab her and see and he said, no. No temptation has taken you that is common to man. God is faithful. He will provide a way of escape. If you're dealing with those temptations, right now I challenge you to consider the way of escape that God has given and take it. Joseph did. But she was not pleased with that. Potiphar comes home and she really, you know, today we like to be politically correct in some languages we have. Well, the Bible tells us this woman was so hurt and painful. You know how she described this uh, incident to her husband? That Hebrew slave of yours that you brought here. <laughs> She's really rubbing it in. That Hebrew slave of yours that you brought here. In other words, you know, he's not of our kind. He's different. And what happens? Joseph ends his time in prison. He's now in prison. The Bible tells us he was in a dungeon, maximum security prison. Because this is the prison where Pharaoh, when guys did wrong things, they put, him, they put them in that prison. Joseph, sad and in darkness, his dreams are not coming true. Will you see what a dysfunction sometimes leads people to end up in? Because they had a dream. But in the prison, we read in chapter 40. I hope you have time to read that uh, through the digging deeper. But we see that, we read in the scripture that the Lord was with Joseph, even in this dungeon. His dream has been shattered. There's now no hope of what I can be. But while in prison, the Lord is with him. He finds favor with the warden. He interprets dreams of the butler, you know, and the, and the cupbearer the baker and the cupbearer that were from Pharaoh's household. And he said to one of the guys, I'm just an innocent Hebrew boy. Now I'm in prison. Please, when you get back to the house of Pharaoh, remember me. The Bible says clearly, the guy forgot about him. He was just restored to his position. The head of the other guy was taken out, but he forgot Joseph. The Bible says also, God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. When you go through the waters, when you go through the film, I will always be with you. Where are you today? What are you going through that you think God has forgotten you? He said he's always present. And with Joseph, he was. 
So we, we come up to chapter 41, and it says, when two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. So here's this teenager, maybe now he's becoming a young adult, two years in a cell in a prison, but he's faithful, he's going about what he wants to do, you know, he's not talking about his dream, but he's there. And he didn't say, you know, what do we say when people, you know, something that they have done to me unfair, you want to even up with others. You don't know how to deal with a situation that is tough that you can't handle. So you mope, you cry, you wane in your pain. You just complain and complain and complain. Joseph did not. And the Bible tells us Pharaoh had his own dream. He too had two dreams, you know. Joseph had two dreams. The guys in prison, two dreams. And now Pharaoh. And this is the dream Pharaoh had. And he said, yeah, I was standing by the bank, probably the, the, the Nile River. I had this sleek, fat cows were there. And I saw them. And then this lean cows came and they ate up these ones. No problem. The dreams that God has given, the wisdom, the discernment that God has given to Joseph made him clearly to tell Pharaoh, say, hey, listen, the interpretation of this dream is this. You know, uh, let's, let's go to chapter 41. I'll read a couple of verses there, then we'll look at the outline. So he interprets the dream and said, it's going to be seven years of prosperity Everything will be great in your kingdom, but there's going to be another seven years that everything is just going to be famine in your, in your land. And Pharaoh accepted the interpretation of Joseph. And he said to Joseph, he said, hey, I want someone in chapter 41, verse 33. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest in Egypt during the seven years of, abund of abundance. Man, this young kid, it's wise and God is speaking through him. So he gives him the plan. Verse 37, the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and all of his officials. So Pharaoh asked, can we find anyone like this one in whom the spirit of God dwells? in whom the Spirit of God was. Then Pharaoh said, hey, you're the one. Since God has made all this known to you, there's no one else so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with the, with the respect of the throne will I be greater than you. Wow. Let's look at the outline that we have for this one. We see that the dreams... Joseph is remembered because it was a recommendation from the cupbearer that Joseph will interpret. Joseph is a discerning and wise by all standards. He interpreted the dream from slavery to statesman. Imagine that. A Hebrew boy in a foreign land and God's favor was upon him. So God was walking through this in the life of Joseph. That God's providence was very clear how he was guiding Joseph. The pain, the hurts, the discouragement, the dysfunction you are experiencing, the things in family that you can never get around with. Is the hand of God present there? Yes, he is. If he did for Joseph, he does for us too today. And God is going to make a difference in the darkness in your dreams, the dysfunction in your family. Every dysfunction is a result of sin and it creates suffering for others. 
But God's providence in all of this will work out for good. Your dreams will lead to detours. You will not be able to get to where God has said you will. Maybe the job, the promotion you didn't get, the young man you didn't marry, the young woman you didn't marry, you know, the savings that got depleted because of pandemic, you know, the separation in families you are struggling. Even in our detours, God's plan is always there. So trust him. Trust him. The Bible says to men in Proverbs 16, 1 to 4, to man belongs the plan. The motives are weighed by the Lord. He will guide your steps. Jeremiah, when he wrote that scripture, we all want to think about, I know the plans I have for you. He was in a faraway country, locked up. You know, not like Joseph, but he was suffering, been taken into captivity. I know the plans that God has for you to give you a hope and a future. Are you trusting in that God? Do you see his providence in the things that you are facing today? Romans 8, 28, as we read earlier, is that God, all things will work together because God has a plan, his purpose for our lives, his direction, his guiding in the affairs of our life. That's what our God is. So the darkness in your dreams leads to dysfunction in your family and you're a result of it, or you know others who are suffering in that. Think about the providence of God, that he's there with us. He will see us through those difficult days. I want to end with a story that is very dear to me. You know, when we go through our perspective on Christian movement, you study history. But I want to tell you about the story of George Lye. George Lye, L-I-E-L-E. You can Google that, but I read it in the book also. But George Lye was born in Savannah, Georgia. He was a the first African-American uh, missionary, but he was born, he was a slave, so he must have come from my descendants who came over there, wherever they must have come. He was born in Savannah, Georgia. He was a slave, but he was a believer. He trusted Jesus, and he would preach to the other slaves. When his master passed away, and other people were considered, what are we gonna be with George? You know, he's a great Bible teacher. People are coming to know the Lord. The Baptist organization actually said, we're going to ordain this man. They ordained George Lye and sent him out as the first black missionary to Jamaica. He went down there, George Lye, and he started to preach, to educate people, to take care of that, and actually started to send missionaries now to, back to our continent where people have come as slaves. George Lye didn't see his time in being a slave in the Carolinas in Georgia but he saw it as the divine providence of God. He was a missionary long before uh, people were going to India or Judson going to Burma. He was, the, the, the studies tell us, the first black missionary sent out by his denomination and changed the world. Because our darkness in our dreams is about the gospel of Jesus Christ. If your darkness is not causing you to proclaim Jesus, that the providence of God is not telling the lost world, the love of God and bringing people to Jesus, your darkness will be dismal and you will stay there. But we can lament. Lament doesn't just mean I cry, I mope about my pain, but lament will be I am pouring out my heart to the Father. Lament will be I am seeking God like Joseph, what is the darkness in my dysfunction, in my dreams? 
So we're going to have a time of prayer and have a time of just calling upon God with scripture and songs so that we can just lament as Michelle will lead us. So just pray with me. Father, we thank you that you are God who reigns and rules in everything we do. Father, we thank you for my brothers and sisters in this room and those online right now. Whatever dark days they are facing, whatever is dismal in their lives right now, may the God who is there with us says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. May we come to you. May we pour our hearts to you. May we as broken people know that God can restore us. So now, Lord, as we sing songs and scripture, may our lament be acceptable as our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. Michelle, lead us.